0: Pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. It's great to be back here in the United States of America. David, the last two weeks I have been out of the United States. Uh, I was in Colombia two weeks ago and in uh, Peru last week. I thought
2: Trump had fixed it where you he, couldn't get back in. Unf- you know,
1: fortunately, I don't think he knew I left. He must not listen to the podcast. Uh, uh, sure, uh, he sure he does. Sure he does. Or after he gets done with Fox News in the morning. In well, his robes, In his robes, his, his robe while he's drinking his coffee. That's a visual image I did not need. <laughs> uh, no, it's good to be back. I, um, I, two weeks ago, David, in Colombia, I had the opportunity uh, to address the Andean Parliament on immigration issues uh, as relates to our new president and the impact on the Andean countries of uh, uh, Chile, uh, Peru, Bolivia, Colombia, and Ecuador. And then last week, I was actually in, uh, in Peru doing a series of discussions uh, on immigration law, uh, including meeting with the members of the Peruvian Congress uh, on the impact of Donald Trump. And it's amazing what, what I picked up from this trip. Uh, Donald Trump's impact is worldwide. I mean, this is a man who has, in a month and a half in office, has shaken the very foundations of what it means to be uh, America. Uh, and I have to tell you, it's not been foundation shaking. that has been for the good world, worldwide. Uh, the, the common question I got from a uh, Peruvian congressman was, what the heck's he doing? Wait, does he not understand the implications of the things he says? even on countries like ours. So it's uh, it was fascinating uh, to see that uh, in action. Uh, and, of course, the individual reactions are even more. As I meet with people one-on-one, talk about the immigration issues, they say, well, hasn't Trump ended immigration to America? Said, no, the president doesn't have the authority to immig- immigration to America. Um, was he deporting everybody? Well, not really. Uh, he, he's certainly aggressive, uh, but the reality is the numbers Aren't substantially higher than than Obama's best days for deportation. So it's not like he can deport more. The issue is always about money. I mean, I, I and I, in fact, I quoted you frequently. I said, you know, I have a good friend who always says this: follow the money, follow the money. Uh, and uh, what you'll see, things like the wall, follow the money. Uh, things like the increased attention, follow the money. Who's making money on this? Uh, and as you follow money, if, even somebody who is supposedly not a politician, and Trump is clearly not a politician. Uh, is in this for the money. And he clearly is. It's just interesting to follow that around. I, but I, it's, been, it's been a good couple of weeks. Uh, and I, I think Kings are going well here at the station. Uh, and it's great to, be, great to be back on America's Web Radio. I did manage to pick up a bug while I was in Peru from my wife, who picked it up from my granddaughter in Memphis. So I didn't even pick up a Peruvian bug. <laughs> so if you hear any sniffles today, I do apologize. It's only, and my throat might be a little bit more gravelly than normal, but uh, mostly because uh, we got, uh, uh, we were stuck down there. Now we had fun down in Peru. Peru is a country we were in, we were in three cities. We're in Lima, Arequipa, and Cusco. Uh, Lima is a coastal city, not unlike Miami, although not quite as hot. Uh, it's been been mid-80s most of the time and humid. Uh, so it wasn't terrible like, like Miami was, but it's not, not, it can be uncomfortable. Arequipa is a spectacularly beautiful city where it's about 70 degrees all year long with no humidity, and we happen to pick the rainy week. To be there, and it was about in the fifties, and, and a little bit. And their rain's very weird. They don't get this drench- drenching, terrible rain. They get this, this virga, this kind of misty rain that kind of hangs down. And then, of course, Cusco was spectacular. It was seventy degrees and sunny, yeah. and just Cusco as Cusco can be. But up at eleven thousand feet, you know, you can feel your head pound a little bit as you're up there. Wow. But uh, my wife took it a lot more than I did. I, I'm usually I acclimate immediately up there. Have a little bit of cocaine tea, and we're in good shape. No, actually, they have a they have a drink there called Mate de Coca, David, which is essentially it's cocaine. It's coca leaves, which is what they make a base of, adding all kinds of chemicals to it that we make cocaine's made from coca leaves, and you just steep it in water, hot water, hmm. and that's it's uh it's got a natu- a natural uh, caffeine kind of content and a natural kind of drugish content that shrinks the capillaries in your in your head and makes you a little less headachey. So you, don't feel, you don't get a buzz or anything. You just kind of oh. get this. Oh, I don't feel as bad as I did before. How about the food? food is spectacular. I mean, the food is spectacular. Now, of course, I did eat a couple of things you would never touch in a million years. I, mean, I had fried guinea pig, which I happen to really like.
2: Fried
1: guinea pig. Fried guinea pig. Okay. So they, they take a guinea pig. You know, when I was form fuzzy guys, they scrape the fur off, and then they deep fry it. They, they flay it open, and they deep fry it. And it's exceptionally tasty. It's the skin is crispy like fried chicken with no flour, <laughs> uh, and uh, the uh, the meat is super tender. All of it's kind of like dark meat, like you'd get on a chicken uh, or turkey dark meat. Very, very tasty, very, very sweet, and uh, one of them can fill you up a little bit. So you got that going for you. Uh, but other food that they have that I love, they have things called rocoto relleno, which is a stuffed pe- hot pepper. So uh, it looks like a bell pepper, but it's spite. It's a kind of a heat, a uh, hot bell pepper. And they stuff that with, uh, with, uh, either ground meat or, or uh, kind of stew meat, but in smaller pieces. And it's with a special sauce. It's and covered it with cheese. It's pretty, pretty spectacular. And then they have this, this one dish called a quid de gallina, which is gallina's rooster. Uh, they probably substitute chicken, but it's, you know, rooster. Uh, and it's a, it's a peanut based, Yellow sauce it looks like yellow vomit, but it's it's really tasty. Uh, it's really good. You, you, you look at it, you go. I'm not eating that. Um, then they have papalauancaina, which is which are boiled potatoes with this special, similar type of peanutty sauce on it. And they've got oh, um, uh, they do have the best chicken in the world. The best uh, bar. Uh, they have rotisserie chicken, but it's not like Costco or supermarket. It's got a very different flavor to it. Probably because the chickens are organic. They're yeah. not they're not, you're not getting full put pump full of, of junk. Uh, but it's just delicious, delicious uh, chicken. So we, we had lots of great food, and uh, I assume
2: a lot of good fresh fruit. too. Oh,
1: everything, and that's the thing. Everything is fresh. Uh, uh, if you saw my Facebook page, and you my know, Facebook friends, I put a lot of pictures of the market. Uh, one of the markets in Cusco and San Pedro. Uh, literally, if you lived there, you would never eat processed food. I mean, literally everything is right there.
2: Well, with that being said, I have to ask, what's the uh, lifespan then?
1: Well, I mean, most Peruvians live well into their 70s. I mean, there's lots of old people walking around. Um, now, a lot of them are not in the best of health. I mean, there's not... They have a decent health care system, though. I mean, if you're sick, health care's free. Health is provided to the government, you know? You just go in and get, get health care. Um, uh, the biggest problem up in like places like Cusco is you're still dealing with a native culture. Uh, it's not a problem. It's just a different culture to deal with. Uh, and so there's a lot of machismo goes on. There's a lot of abuse that goes on, but... Generally speaking, people are super happy. It's a great country. They have not – they actually did not have a recession in 08, 09, 010. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't have a recession. They just kind of kept growing a little bit every year. And they grow about 3%, 4 5% a year. It's remarkable. I mean, compared to where it was 35 years ago when I lived there, uh, when there was just literally abject poverty, I mean, they, they, there are supermarkets everywhere, which there wasn't before. There are stores everywhere. They just put a – a version of what you'd call Macy's—they call it Ripley's—is out, out of Chile and in, in, in all the cities. And supermarkets are everywhere. There's access to food; food is cheap. It's, you know, it's really cheap there. Taxis—they mm-hmm. have Uber there, but why take Uber? Because I, I, I could literally go from the airport to my hotel, which was about 20-minute drive, for three dollars, mm-hmm. 12 soles, or you know, tw- you know, even, even if it's five dollars, you know, it's just like you can't. And gas is more expensive down there. They just don't They, they just don't charge you as much as they do who here.
2: Is, who is their biggest uh, – where do they get, they get most – who do they import from? Oh,
1: Peru from? actually uh, is a major exporter of mining. They, they have massive mines all over the country. Uh, and so they have huge mining uh, production that comes out of all parts of Peru. Uh, it's not necessarily an oil country. They don't really have oil. Uh, but they do export every type of mineral you can imagine. Uh, mm-hmm. It comes out of Pruitt. It's an extraordinarily rich, wealthy country in that regard. Uh, and, they, you know, the politicians are corrupt like everywhere else in the world, I mean, including the United States. And, you know, we're not corrupt in the United States. Oh, yeah. They just corrupt in a different way for the most part. Although, you know, who is not the most – you know who is not apparently corrupt is Joe Biden. He, he went into Congress kind of, you know, middle class. He came out of the president's vice presidency kind of middle class and just – you know, didn't really make any money. Uh, but most guys come rich out of – as you know, have come out of Congress rich. Ask, ask Tom Price about that, um, how, how he got so wealthy in the last 12 years. Uh, so uh, there's corruption there. But at the same time, they, the people are getting better educated. The schools are getting better. Um, the people are generally happy. It's a, it's a place. But people still want to move forward. Lots of good business people want to, want to immigrate to America to expand their businesses, which is what I was down there talking to people about. Uh, and uh, crime in some parts of the country is, is is bad. Other parts of the country, like Cusco, is like very little crime. They're not it very little crime. Even there's some crime, they, but their crime doesn't come internally. They have a lot of people coming in from Colombia and Venezuela that are causing some problems there. But generally speaking, once they got rid of the terrorists in the '80s and the late '90s, you know, the economy, the country's kind of crept along and doing better every single year. I'd expect in the next decade or two they're going to have remarkable economic growth and remarkable societal growth. Second uh, language? Oh yeah, they speak Quechua. Quechua is the language of the Incas. You know, you hear about the Mexican, of course, that's the Aztecs, and uh, that language is kind of dead. You don't really hear anybody speaking whatever Aztec is called uh, unless you watch Mel Gibson's movie uh, Apocalypto. Uh, but no, Peru, a Quechua is a vibrant actual language uh, spoken mostly in the high plains, the high mountain areas, like Cusco and, and further up. Uh, most Anybody who's a grandparent or a great-grandparent spoke Quechua anywhere in the country just about, uh, except in Lima. Lima's always kind of kept itself apart. But Spanish in Lima is actually some of the purest Spanish in the world uh, between Colombia and, and Peru because they were the ancient capitals. They were the, they were, they were the, the 1,500 the capitals of, of Spain. So their Spanish is actually... Pretty excellent. Uh, You don't get a lot of slang. You don't get a lot of dropping vowels and dropping words like you do in other parts of the country. It's a terrific thing. But Quechua is their language. I I speak a little bit of Quechua. I mean, I can I can say hello. I can ask where the bathroom is, but I don't really speak it. Uh, Should I ever move down there? Uh, which I may do one day, uh, as I re- as I get closer to 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 cashing in my chips uh, in my life, uh, I would certainly pick up Quechua. It's a, kind of a fun language to be, speak, and it's always fun when a when a big tall gringo comes in. The average height of many Peruvians is about five foot five. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the, <clears throat> especially the older men, and so when a gringo starts speaking, they just get the biggest kick out of it in the world. You know, there's this, they get the good laugh and stuff, and even me speaking Spanish is funny to them. So,
2: well, I, uh, but you sort of speak. A mixed Spanish. Your, yours has, over the years has probably picked up a little Mexican. Yeah, I mean, right it's right always again? fun. It's, you
1: know, because it's fun when I give these discussions. Like we had a, one of our charlas, which is a, a Spanish word for discussion on immigration, I'll always mix in Spanish, Mexican words. Like, híjole! And they just always laugh. They think it's the funniest thing in the world. And, and pues, pues, pues. So I kind of put that Mexican head again a little bit and I get the biggest kick out of that. But when I know Peruvian slang, that's when they, get, that's when they laugh the most. You know, how does that guy know Peruvian slang? How does he know that stuff? So. Uh, it was always a, it's a blast to go to Peru. Actually, and I may be going back in two weeks. Uh, I have been invited to speak uh, to a to a uh, committee of the of the Congress on Peruvians in the exterior. And there are over this was just there are over three. There's only 32 million Peruvians we live in the country. There's three million Peruvians living outside the United States. That's basically 10 percent of native born population. I mean, you can imagine that would be like 32 million Americans living outside the United States, which I mean, we don't have that many. We have some, but we don't have that many. You do know we have a million illegal Americans living in Mexico. <laughs> did you see that story last week? No. Is it 11, 11, One million illegal Americans living in Mexico. Uh, that just comes a shock to nobody. Um, but as the you know, the immigration world did not hold still while I was gone, I don't know if you noticed this or not, uh, but Donald Trump issued another executive order. Another executive order. Uh, here, here's what I found interesting about this, David. Um, so the last order gets struck down on, for various reasons, but mostly because it's clearly intended to discriminate based upon religion. Uh, and, and this is where I think this is funny, because you and I have had this discussion with Obama. Do you remember our discussions with your about your friend uh, Jerry Smith, the Fifth Circuit uh, judge, and how they kept bringing up in their decision, well, Obama said this, and Obama said he didn't have jurisdiction, Obama didn't say he had authority, and they kept bringing that up. Is it a surprise to you that this judge does the same thing with Trump? <laughs> I mean, it's the exact... Talk about, you know, what's sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. So now they take up all of Trump's old statements about, I want to shut out Muslims, I want to get them out of the country, I want to stop Muslim immigration. I mean, there's a, a countless numbers of examples, just like there was for Obama, with him saying, I don't have authority to do this, I don't have the ability to do this. And I just thought it was... I think it's hilarious uh, that uh, we've got... Um, Oh, that's it! Wait a second. That must be Donald Trump calling. Uh, (laughs) uh, I just think it's hilarious and and radically ironic uh, that the exact same method that the that the anti-immigration groups used to shut down DAPA is being used by the pro-immigration forces to shut down Trump's Muslim ban, uh, which is not a Muslim ban. He says, but. Rudy Giuliani says it is, and the, I mean, do you do you recall we talked about this? Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani went on Fox News right before um, uh, uh, the ban came out from from, and he said, "Yeah, I was talking to uh, I was talking to uh, Trump during the campaign, he, after the campaign, he said, we can't do the Muslim. We got to find a different way to do this. So we we found a different way to do this. We did through danger. It's dangerous, danger. So basically, on air, he said we just substituted the word Muslim for danger." And then we did the bill. Let's take a break here on Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio.
3: If you have problems with immigration or issues you have to fix, call the Cook Immigration Partners lawyers. We're on your side. We have more than 50 years of experience doing immigration laws and defending immigrants. Call us at 404-816-8611, at 404-816-8611, or at www.immigration.net.
0: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on Webradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook
1: Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866 286 6200. That's 866 286 6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net.
0: You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web. David, you brought something up during the break that I think is important, is that, okay, well, yeah, he might have the Muslim ban, which may or may not go down. Uh, We'll find out this week with the judge up in Washington State. But he kept DACA, uh, which was the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival program uh, that Obama put into place to save his presidential campaign in 2012. Uh, And, uh, you know, good for these kids, that they were able to benefit from DACA and people can still come in and we're applying for DACA now for people. There was a a scare a couple weeks ago because there was an incident up in Washington State uh, where uh, ICE went to this house to look for this guy. And this guy was there and they arrested him uh, and he was the father of a DACA kid. It is unclear what happened, but they arrested the DACA kid too, who has no criminal convictions whatsoever. Now nobody, nobody really knows why ICE did this. I mean, I've heard speculation from people. I'm going to take the Donald Trump. I heard this. I heard speculation. Maybe the kid mouthed off to the to the, the ICE, you know. And really, I all DACA is is a protection from being deported and a work permit. You know, it's basically a temporary stay of removal. It's not a, a legal status. It's lawful presence, but it's not a legal status. Uh, and. Um, Maybe he mouthed off to the ICE guy, and the ICE said, you know what? Screw you. We're, we're going to bring you into custody, too. And there's been a big uproar about this kid uh, um, and um, what he's been going through uh, as part of this arrest. And it's never, never really talked about what, what's, why they arrested him. Uh, that kid actually wrote an article today in the Washington Post. In the Washington Post, uh, and this is what he said: um, uh, I spent my 24th birthday in detention. I've been in immigration detention in Tacoma, Washington, for more than a month. That's a month away from my family, a month further away from doing everything I can to support my three-year-old son, and a lifetime away from the future my parents wished for me when they brought to me here from Mexico at age seven. I spent nearly my whole life in the U.S. as a child, a teenager, now as an adult with a child of my own. This country is my home. I was detained and brought here on February 10th, just over a month after moving from the Central Valley in California to the Seattle area to find a better job to support my family. It's been difficult to keep a positive outlook. It's gray here, and I mostly keep to myself, except for the prayer group I attend twice a day. To pass the time, I recently started learning how to make origami animals to say give my son when I see him again. But being in here, my mind races. Before this, I never thought I would end up in a news headline or have my name become a hashtag on social media. I was supposed to be one of the lucky ones. DACA gave young people like me, who were born in the United States without authorization as kids, what we craved the most, legal ability to live, study, and work, and even serve in the military without the fear of deportation. Actually, it's not true. They can't serve in the military. Uh, uh, the day that – he just doesn't know that. The day I approved for DACA was one of the happiest days of my life. I felt I could stop being afraid and fully participate in the incredible opportunities this country has to offer. I found work picking oranges in the fields of central California near my home. It was hot, difficult, and dirty, but I was happy to be able to work and help my family without fear of being deported. In 2013, my son Daniel Jr. was born. That little boy is my world and it completely changed my life. It became more important than ever to build a stable future. I started taking classes and hoped to get a career path to work in auto repair or painting cars, two things I love. It sounds simple, but the promise that DACA gave people like me, work hard, take care of your family, live without constant fear, forced us to leave behind people we love. Unfortunately, that's exactly what happened to me when immigration agents came to my apartment after they arrested my dad outside. I was arrested too and detained and brought to this center. Agents said that a tattoo on my arm means I'm in a gang. I got that tattoo when I was 18 to honor La Paz, Mexico, the city where I was born. The agents interrogated me for hours and insisted I was a gang member because I'm from the Central Valley. See, we just moved to Seattle after that, before that. They were all gang members, as yeah, they told me. It didn't seem to matter how many times I told them that wasn't. They didn't even need to take my word for it. The government already knows I'm not a gang member. Like all dreamers, I gave all my personal information and fingerprints to the government— Qualify for DACA. I've been checked against every state and federal database They verified twice I have no criminal history Was never affiliated with any gang Was not a threat to public safety Despite that, I was treated as though my DACA status and work authorization meant nothing uh, Despite how terrible the situation this has been In some ways, I'm still one of the lucky ones I have an incredible team of lawyers helping me every step of the way They have interviewed me here in detention And used our conversations to draft this essay So I can tell my story to the public before I'm released I have the support of my family and friends Who will not stop fighting for me until I'm back home I have a son who I love and miss every day, and I have received incredible support from people nationwide in a way I never could have imagined. I'm now waiting for a judge to decide whether I can be released and whether he will hear my case in federal court. I am hopeful that I have a future in this country, but I know that it is, is a case not just about me. Hundreds of thousands of dreamers are questioning just what sort of protection the government's promise provides. If I can be arrested and detained without any evidence, what will happen to them? My parents brought me to the United States because they wanted more of what all parents want for their kids, a good shot at life. Dreamers like me aren't asking for handouts. We want the government to stand by its promise and let us contribute to our communities and take care of our families without being sent back to a country we don't know. Part of why I love the United States is because it embraces people of different cultures and languages. It rewards people who work hard and help others. It stands for the promises of a better future. This is the America that I love, and an America that I hope will stand behind us dreamers. Good little article uh, by this young man. Uh, And this happens a lot. Oh, that's, that's a tattoo. You must be in a gang. Now... You know, you and I, David, I don't know if you have any tattoos. David, I certainly don't have any tattoos. And uh, uh, the tattoo experience I remember the most is meeting my, my wife's grandfather for the first time, who'd been in the Navy in World War II. Uh, and he pointed his – he had a short sleeve shirt on his, uh, his anchor on his arm, right? And he says, you know what that is? Says, I said, well, it's an anchor. He goes, no, it's the stupidest thing I ever did. And that, to me, is, just speaks volumes. Now, we live in a culture today where people get tattoos all the time. And they get tattoos for a variety of reasons. Um, I still think I would, I, I will never get a tattoo. I think it's a stupid thing to deface to, to your body with. But you want to get tattooed, tattoo, that's fine. I might never hire you, but you might, you know, you know, especially if you put one on your face. Uh, but certainly it's your right to do that. Um, but it, DACA kids who get tattoos walk a very fine line. Uh, and I'd say this is a warning to any DACA kid who's listening to this or lawyers who have DACA kids. Tattoos automatically conjure up in the minds of law enforcement, particularly if you're Latino, gang affiliation. You can call it profiling if you want because that's clearly what it is, but it's something they look at. And I know that celebrities and professional athletes have made tattoos very, very common, but the reality is you're neither a celebrity nor a athlete. And when you get tattoos, especially tattoos that maybe you don't understand the full meaning of, You put yourself at great risk. You know, David, one of the things we do for people is uh, we have people get green cards that enter the country illegally if they're married to U.S. citizens. And to do that, we have to send them outside the country to the U.S. consulate in the country they live in. And as part of that process for their green card, they have to go to a doctor and get a medical exam. The The doctor makes you strip naked. Okay, And he looks for tattoos or she looks for tattoos. And then they take pictures of the tattoos. And if those tattoos in any way resemble some sort of gang affiliation, whether you believe them to be or not, you're probably not coming back to America. So part of the thing we do with clients is, do you have any tattoos? Yes. Take a picture of them. Well, does it matter where they are? I said, well, mm, no, but I still need to see a picture of them. I you didn't put them in a place I don't want to walk at. But we need to see whether you need to have those tattoos removed. And so DACA definitely causes a great deal of, uh, uh, of consternation. If you've, got, if you've got a chance to get a tattoo and you're a DACA kid, I'm telling you, don't be stupid. Don't do that. All it's going to mean ultimately is some, some ICE agent who gets a little carried away, and maybe you mouthed off to them, maybe you were somebody they're not looking for but you're kind of the side. They'll just choose it as an excuse to pick you up. Just like this kid. Now we don't know. You know, this is this kid's story as he tells it. We don't really know what what the rest of that story is. Um, but I imagine there was probably some you know mouthing off about dad getting taken away and stuff like that as part of this process. But I, I would be very very careful. Tattoos are terribly bad idea. For immigrants. Now once you get your citizenship, you can put a big old Mike Tyson tattoo on your face. I really don't care. It does it's not going to bother me at all. I would never hire you for a job. But you can do whatever you want. But if you're an immigrant and you're not a citizen yet. Be very very careful about tattoos they 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 just don't really contribute to the whole immigr positive immigration process going forward uh it's uh it's not something you clearly want to Want to be part of going forward. So, the, but the, you said the DACA kids are safe, and they are, David. We are actually applying for DACA for people that are just beginning to qualify. They just turned 15. They came in before 2007, before they were 15. As soon as they turn 15, they can apply for DACA, and we've got several of those cases uh, coming down right now that we're working on. Uh, and so, we're, we're, you know, and we're renewing DACA cases for people. Uh, but what I do see way too often, David, is a kid with DACA. Who goes out and commits a DUI? Your DACA's gone. I mean, they will pick you up. They will detain you. They will, ICE will not release you. They will automatically revoke your DACA, and you will be deported. Have a nice life. I mean, rea- unfortunately, immigrants don't get a second chance. That's not how immigration works in our country. Whether it's a shop with a conviction or a fight at a dance hall or it's a DUI, Immigrants simply don't get a second chance. You get one chance. And that one chance is when you apply. And you literally, as a DACA recipient, as an immigrant, have to live a perfect life. You can't, you can't commit a crime. And, you know, and, and this idea of what a crime is, you, you, when I use the word crime, I know David and I think of, we think of bad things, you know, things that really harm people. But there are so many laws on the books, David, that are, quote, crimes that don't harm anybody but the individuals themselves. Now, uh, I was quoted the other day, somebody got mad at me about this, about DUIs. Um, and I said, look, if you commit a DUI, I believe you should be deported. Now, DUIs are not a deportable offense, by the way. They're not. They, they will be one day, but they're not currently. But if you're dumb enough to threaten my life by getting drunk and putting yourself behind the wheel of a 3,000-pound of a killing machine, I don't need you in this country. I just don't. Oh, you got five kids? might want to think about that before you got drunk and drove a car. So I, I have zero – I'm just sorry – zero uh, sympathy for people that have a DUI. Now, take that in context. Let's say your DUI, David, is 16 years ago, and you've rehabilitated, and you've become a good person. Maybe you're a pastor at a church. You've got three kids. You're a great father. Should the same consequence apply? Well, that's, you know, that's, what we, that's why this one rule that fits all – you know, I believe there's a lot of gray out there, uh, and there, that's why there's that's why justice and the scales of justice, lady, lady justice holds those scales. what, what is she balancing? You know, the scales are balancing something. They're balancing justice and mercy, and uh, when, when those are properly balanced, you see a situation. You go, you know, yeah, you have all this positive in your life, and you did this one stupid thing. Does that one stupid thing outweigh all the positive? And in real courtrooms, real judges outside the mandatory sentencing guidelines can weigh that on sentences. But in immigration, there is no mercy. There's, there's, There's no mercy rule in immigration. There's the law and justice, and that's it. And when you step over that line, even just by putting your toe on it, bam, you've got a big, big honking problem. Uh, and, uh, that's why DACA kids, I'm begging you, just don't do stupid stuff. And it's hard, David, because they're teenagers. Teenagers, by definition, if you look it up, I think it looks right now, it says, do stupid stuff. You can't be that teenager. You just can't be, unfortunately. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio.
3: Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net.
1: Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on americaswebradio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's
3: 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net.
0: You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Immigration Now on America for David Web Radio. David, I do want to give you a garden update. Uh I don't know if I told you, but three weeks ago I actually planted in my garden lettuce, radishes, peas, and beets. Uh, and I've got, I think, uh twenty-two rows of all those combined. And what what I mean by rows is uh um, well actually probably three times six uh Probably 24 rows. So what I do is I have a 3-foot-wide plot that's 15 feet long, then a 1-foot-wide plot that's 15 feet long, and another 3-foot. So it's walking past in between these 3-foot beds. And I've got two parallel rows of three, 15-foot uh, beds. So I planted 6 of each. So I've got, that would be 24, 3 in each. Yeah, so 6 of each, so 24. And you know what I've seen when I went down there? Nothing, because I haven't been down to my garden since I planted that stuff, David. So I'm, I'm hoping to go down tonight if it's still light out when I get home and look at, hopefully not what what kind of flood zone my, my plants are in, but I should have had stuff sprouting especially radishes. Radishes grow great in this kind of weather so hopefully some radishes have come up and I should have some lettuce popping out of the ground and the peas the snow peas and the sugar snap peas should be should be coming up as well. Uh, I did pick up in Peru some seeds
3: uh,
1: some hot pepper seeds, David Now, are you a hot
2: pepper guy? He would, Used to be more so than today. Okay,
1: would would you like me to bring you a couple seeds? Sure. Would you be interested in growing these? You'd have to grow them from seed, but yeah. I mean, you know how to do that. Yeah. Uh, next week, I'll remember to bring you some seeds. Uh, from, and what uh, from would
2: you compare them to a jalapeno? Or
1: uh, yeah, these are take a jalapeno, and you go to the next level, baby. Yeah, the, the, these these are a little bit warmer than jalapenos, I think, but they have more flavor. They're more uh, jalapeno with a jalapeno, it just burns. You know, But these have more, a more robust flavor to them. Hmm. Uh, and uh, some of them are the sneaky heat where they, you have this flavor. Then the back of your throat explodes with heat. <laughs> some of them are like that. Others kind of get your tongue right away. Yeah. But they all have a, a very much a very nice flavor. And what, what's great about these Peruvian peppers is they, they mix with food so well. Jalapenos can overwhelm food. Mm-hmm. They, they can just, like, ruin food. These accent food. And almost all Peruvian ditches have spice in them, almost always. So, uh, you know, th- for me, they're just super great. And I got some of these Rocotto seeds. I'm going to be probably seed. It's a little late to seed start, as you know. I should have seed started in, in January, end of January, early February. But I think if I seed start now, I can plant them probably in, in May, and they will be fine. So,
2: so, is your wife into the hot? She's much not.
1: She, no, nah, not really. She's not. I don't know a lot of women who get hot, like hot peppers. I mean, my wife certainly doesn't like it. I mean, she'll, she'll take a little bit of heat. But not a great deal.
2: No, my
1: wife won't touch, touch the stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, but for me, it's just delightful. So the, the garden update appears to be, I had, do have asparagus growing again. It's come yeah. back. My uh, my that's blueberries. Time. That's
2: very tough to
1: grow. Yeah, well, it's been there for nine years. It should be oh. something should be coming out of the ground at a certain point. You know, that's a that's a perennial. It just keeps coming back. Uh, and uh, the uh, raspberries were starting to blossom, uh, but one, three weeks ago, and and the grapes should be popping out. But you know what had blossomed were all my plum trees. My plums and peaches already. And I, I don't know what this freeze It froze last night. Yeah. So I don't know what that means for these things. So. I've,
2: I've got a very good crop of weeds.
1: Yeah, I actually took my rototiller out and my tractor, and I buried all the weeds. That means they'll come back in like a month and a half. But I've got my hula-ho ready to go, and I have a young man currently living in our house uh, from church who needed a place to stay. And in exchange for rent, I got me a garden slave. I got to get out there and just kind of hoe the ground. I shouldn't use the word slave; it's terrible. But he's out there to help me get that garden taken care of. So I think he'll enjoy it. He's wanted to learn gardening. I said, "Well, here's your chance. Uh, gardening's about planting and and weeding. That's what gardening's about. And you know, and more weeding, and more plant. weeding, more weeding than planting. Planting's easy. Planting stuff is easy. And I've got a whole bunch more to plant. But of course, now the, the rest of my stuff you can't plant until after the fr- last frost. The last frost here is what April 10th, generally April 9th, something like that." Uh,
2: At least,
1: yeah. I mean, I I haven't seen one after April 10th in the last decade. Uh, But of course, I thought winter was over two weeks ago, which is why I planted my stuff. And now, you know,
2: it was right cool yesterday.
1: It's cold today. It was it's 39. It's not going to get above 45 today. So, our listeners, that's our immigrant. That's our garden update (laughs) for today. Are you doing a garden this year, David? Pardon me. Are you doing a garden this year or not?
2: You know, like I said, I've got a good crop of weeds right now. I I don't know whether I'm going to do one or not. I had put down a lot of the black plastic stuff. Uh-huh. So that saved some of it, but the rest of it and uh, quite frankly I just haven't been in the mood to to do it.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what I was last year. I was just I you know you got every now and then you got to leave it fallow and throw some stuff in there and just let it let the ground recover a little bit. My mine should be good this year. Mine's got lots of manure in it and lots of 10-10-10 in it, so certainly the weeds will be robust this year. Yeah. Certainly the weeds will be robust this year. Yeah,
2: you'll, you'll have 12 foot No, I do
1: want to note, David, I actually received a notice this morning uh, that I was listed in uh, who's who legal um, uh, in their uh, uh, thought leaders, which is their top 10 lawyers in the United States on immigration. I was number five. Uh, What was great about this list is I know everybody on this list very, very well. And uh, eight of the top 10 uh, are in fact members of the Alliance of Business Immigration Lawyers, of which I used to be president and I'm certainly still a member, a founding member of. And and somebody said something very nice about me. I want you. I hate to read this to you, um, but I was stunned by this, and I, I'm very very honored too. And said the the outstanding Charles Cook at Cook Immigration Partners is quote a vigorous advocate close quote and quote this is what I love the guy you want to hire if you're in serious immigration trouble close quote. Sources cite his exceptional knowledge of the area as a main strength. Um, and uh, so I'm honored I, for those. That
2: that. I, I read that again because I missed the part about Annie as a radio show in America. He didn't put
1: that on. He just yeah. said the quote, the guy you want to hire if you're in serious immigration trouble. Um, cool. Could cool means.
2: Said and the guy you want to listen to. On
1: listen the, to on, on the immigration. Yeah. out the, the guy who's got the most popular uh, 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 podcast in the known universe, on immigration, and that you know they could have said that, David, but but they didn't, they didn't, uh, and uh, so that's I thought it was kind of fun that they put that out there. You know, some of that stuff's kind of gamey. You know, you don't know how you get on it and how they put you there, and uh, it is uh, something that I thought uh, certainly deserved a little bit of a mention. I pat myself on the back. There you go, pat myself on the back uh, for that. Uh, but I, you know, I am no better. I mean, I I am able to do what I do. Because I have extraordinary people that work with me, my partners are amazing. Uh, my partner uh, uh, Hiba was on the night- NBC Nightly News uh, two nights ago on Saturday night. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, David, but we have a client uh, who hired us about two and a half weeks ago. Now, um, her family hired us. She had previously been deported, and I used to, I think came to her house and picked her up to deport her again. Uh, but uh, when her family came to see us, it became clear to us that she was a United States citizen. She was a United States citizen from our, from our perspective. And so we alerted ICE and said, hey, uh, you know, she was previously deported, but she's a United States citizen. Uh, and we began to gather the documentation to prove that she was a United States citizen. And uh, this was interesting because uh, proving that you're a US citizen is not as easy as necessarily flipping out your birth certificate. Because you can be a citizen by birth in the United States. Okay, here's my birth certificate, or you can, but not if you're not if your parents, by the way, were diplomats. Then you're not a citizen if you're born here. You're only a permanent resident. Or if your parents were citizens, or you're depending on which how, when you were born, your mom or dad were citizens and they were married or not married, uh, whether they were citizens or not. So there we have what's called derivative citizenship. In the United States, and Sahiba so uh, was involved. We she got this case when it came in. We assigned it to her, and uh, she began working it. And it's been fascinating to uh, to watch this uh, take part um, and uh, watch her deal with convincing ICE that our client was in fact a U.S. citizen. Uh, she's fifty years old. This woman, so she and, and she's lived in the U.S. A good part of her life. She's got children that are U.S. citizens. She has grandchildren that are U.S. citizens. And her dad was born in the United States and a U.S. citizen. But the problem is she's 50. Okay, so she's 50. That means she was born in 1967. Her dad was around 55 when she was born. So her dad was born in 1911. But here's the key to proving derivative citizenship. You have to prove your father's birth... And you have to prove that he was physically present in the United States for 10 years, five of which were after he was 14 years old, at least. <clears throat> now think about this. Her dad's been dead for a long time. All right, He was born in 1911. She's in jail. How are we going to get the documents to prove that she's a derivative citizen? But him has been able to do that. In fact, you know, it's funny. Her son is on a presidential scholarship at UGA. I mean, this woman is a good mom. She's a good mom. Uh, she had committed crimes when she was younger. Uh, and, um, uh, but again, she's a United States citizen. So finally, last, uh, uh, last Wednesday, she was released by ICE two weeks after we spent time working on her. Now, the thing is, her dad was a United States Marine. Okay, So we know he was in the United States as an adult We know that because he was in the Marines So we were able to get documentation From his time in the Marines We were able to get documentation From the Social Security Administration Because those records are available online For people that are dead I think anybody who has been dead Since 1990 or something Their records are online So we were able to get those records And immigration kept saying No, we, you know we don't know if you've got enough so here's my question: When is it enough to ICE that you are a U.S. citizen?
2: Why should it be ICE as opposed to the court?
1: Well, the courts uh, typically aren't detaining anybody. ICE is detaining you. So, should ICE, if you make if you make a right, but if you make a colorable claim to citizenship. Why is ICE allowed to hold you? They shouldn't be, right? I mean, if you make a cold... I put on my Facebook page uh, when I posted the article about this, I think very simple. Are you ready to prove you're a citizen? David, do you carry papers around showing you're a U.S. citizen? If you met this woman, other I than me, she's clearly Latina, but she did not talk like anybody. She talks like you and me. So uh, you, would, you would say, well, they will know I'm a citizen because of how I talk. We read that article from that kid... Clearly, he talks like you and me. He doesn't have an accent or anything. He just looks a little bit different. So, is there profiling going on? Oh, sure. So, I, you know, clearly, at least under the Obama administration and, Trump and Bush, if you made a colorable claim to citizenship, ICE said, "Well, you know what? We're not touching you. We're going to let immigration deal with this. We're going to let USCIS deal with this, and we're not going to hold you." But ICE held her for two weeks after that. After that, until they finally relented and said. Yeah, I think there's enough evidence. Why would it take them two weeks to decide that there's a colorable claim? When there was nothing changed in the evidence, all the evidence we submitted initially was the evidence we had at the end. So I think what changed is the press. We went to, I mean, I told him, let's go to the press. I mean, you bring the press attention, you shine that press light on the darkness that is the immigration process, and things get shaken loose, even in the Trump administration. They don't want to be the administration that detains a U.S. citizen. Um, and uh, it, it is amazing to me uh, the process by which ICE goes through to determine whether somebody is, uh, is a U.S. citizen. She said this, by the way. When she was, They put her in a cell alone for several days, infested with cockroaches. She got dehydrated, got a bladder inflection, and they wouldn't give her medical treatment. That's how immigration holds people. Let's take our break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Break.
3: Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración. Conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley. Y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy al 404-816-8611. Al 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net.
2: This is Skip Correll, host of the Home Defense show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world.
0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio, uh, David. So, uh, Miss Hernandez is reunited with her family, but she still has to report to Immigration uh, ICE on a regular basis until, uh, I guess, we can get her a passport. We're in the process of doing that right now, uh, but it is uh, we we run across this once or twice a year where we meet with a client, and one of the first questions I always ask somebody is, where were your parents born? Where were your grandparents born? Because there's a chain of process you can follow, and once a year or so, sure enough, we have a client who's actually a U.S. citizen and didn't even know it.
2: You know, you mentioned something that that I always find interesting, and I wonder how it affects you. The fact that her father was in the Marines, you said. Mm -hmm. Okay, the, you know, there are a lot of military records that went up
1: in flames, flames in St. Louis, yes. So,
2: how do you did, do? they have? Did they were they duplicated enough that you can?
0: Apparently, fire, we or? had
1: some of those records available. I, it must not have been the ones that got that got blew up in flames in the fire the St. Louis warehouse, right? Where they were storing those back in the was it sixty something that the, that the flames I went up, so, yeah. yeah, something like that.
2: And so, uh, if you come up against that, all right, say uh, say I was your client and I have records showing an honorable discharge from. For my father, right. But then you go to the Navy, and those were part of the records that were burned. Where do you go from there?
1: Well, you rely on the. the I mean, you have original evidence. You have a piece of paper. It's a, I mean, you get it authenticated and say, "Where's proof he was doing that?" I mean, there's the proof of his discharge. And then you talk to military experts and you say, "What does this mean? What does this?" Well, this means he had to serve. You know, all the notations on the form. I forget what they call it. That's a DD, DD something or other four oh. Do you recall what the number is? I don't know. It's a DD something, but uh, yeah, I know sure. my, I have my dad's, okay? It means X, Y, Z. It means he left in this service. It means he served this period of time. This is where he served. So you have enough information on that one piece of paper to trace back sufficient time in the United States. Well,
2: everybody should come out with their, their 201 file.
1: Right. So, you know, it's it's e- you, you can even trace those. You're not going to get all the records, but you'll get some of the records. You might not know what awards he won or what medals he got, but... You'll you'll get enough of a, of the flavor. to show, yeah, this was this is absolutely him, uh, but there are other records too. He he likely had a U.S. passport. So now we have to go to the Department of State. But all this stuff is required through FOIA, and FOIA happens not like this, but.
2: Uh, and, and it depends on, on which low. department you're going to. For
1: FOIA. well, we got, got, we got to go, and we could probably do the FBI. Okay, uh, we certainly can do immigration. To see what records immigration might have for him. Uh, he appears to have immigrated his wife to the United States at some point. So there's all kinds of different things that we can do that we will be doing here. But think about this. Um, uh, you know, he was born over 100 years ago. This, the records we're going to have are 100 years old. Those records are not going to happen overnight. And so, so what they're going to do, they're going to keep a U.S. citizen detained because the records are not immediately available. But there's a colorable claim. Okay. It appears they may be a citizen. Let's let them out rather than keeping them in a cockroach-infested jail with a kidney infection, which we won't treat. Uh, it really – I mean, I, we'll, we've, of course, referred her to counsel for a false imprisonment by ICE, and we'll go from there. ICE, last year, ICE wrote a million-dollar check to a, a guy in a similar situation for keeping him detained. So, it's you know, these things end up costing you and me money because ICE wants to be obstinate. I mean, if I was in charge of ICE, I'd have said – Colorable claim, you have 24 hours to review it 24 hours, boom, they're done Let's, put, let's get them out of here I had a woman arrested at the airport, David uh, A couple years ago And she had a U.S. passport And they were claiming that it was a fraud That, that she had detained by fraud But it was still a U.S. passport CBP detained her at the airport I was in ICE's office two hours later And said she is a United States citizen Until you bring criminal charges against her And take that away You cannot detain her And she was out an hour later Okay. Now, a lot of Americans we don't we don't carry proof of our citizenship. But you know, David, there is that hundred mile uh, uh, border on the country, the Constitution free zone. You're familiar with that, I assume. Uh, where uh, Border Patrol, if you're if you're in Miami and they say, "Hey, you white haired old white guy, prove to me a U.S. citizen." Did
2: you have to say old?
1: Okay, older, <laughs> older, white haired mature white haired old guy. Uh, hey, you standard citizen of Florida, uh, person living in Florida, prove you're a U.S. citizen. Here's my driver's license. No, 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 that doesn't prove anything. We don't carry papers around to show we're citizens. I mean, it, it, yet they demand immigrants to do the same. Now, I, have, I wrote a blog, as I told you a few weeks ago, that's now gotten almost 2 million reads on the issue of what you need to carry around depending on what status you're in. And every immigrant who's a permanent resident is required to carry their green card. Everybody who's not an immigrant but who's legal needs to carry their passport and proof of their, proof of their current status. If you're undocumented, probably should carry your passport around. Uh, and proof that you've been here for two years so you can't be deported immediately by ICE. So there is a lot of things you need to look at in the context of, uh, the Constitution and proving you're a U.S. citizen. And here's a great article that simply talks about what happens when you don't. Now, David, there's a big fight right now, by the way. I don't know if you've heard about, do you, do you know anything about Obamacare? You've heard about that, right? Obamacare? I know we talked about it on the show for years. Um, and, uh, the CBO came out last night in a review of Trump care. Or do we call it, is it price care? Or Ryan care or Trump care? What is the word we're using these days? I think I think Trump care is best, um, and Trump care uh, apparently uh, will, will will end up costing twenty four million people their insurance at some point or another. But it will save the government money uh, uh, about four hundred billion dollars over decades. So that's like forty billion dollars a year. Wait a second, David. You could build a wall with that money. There it is. Trump care for the wall that's would you would you would you get that slogan copyrighted for me Trump care for the wall or is it wall care for the Trump? I forget what that should be um, but you got a situation where there's this great fight going on in Congress, and David one of the things I love that you always said is we'll worry about what's in the bill after we pass it is that what, what did Pelosi say something like that right uh, she's your girl yeah we, we worry about the bill after they pass it, and yet we had we had uh, who was it? Oh, Lance. Uh, no, no. What's his name? Uh, Rand Paul, banging on the door of the House Health Care Committee. Show me the bill. What's in the bill? I want to see the bill. And they said, No, no. You can't see what's in the bill because then you'll be able to comment on it. Uh, David, have you read the bill yet? The new bill that's out, the Trump Care bill. Uh, I started reading it, but my eyes glazed over after a couple of pages. It was really, really boring and not my area of expertise. So I relied on the experts. So I first I looked at, at, at Speaker Ryan's analysis of the bill, and I thought this bill could be the best bill ever written by the hand of man uh, and presented to Congress. That's That's how I read the summary. But then I read a summary from the other side of the aisle, and apparently, David, they want to kill you and me. Uh, That's the other side of the aisle. My guess is that the truth lies somewhere in the middle of what's going to go on. Uh, But I did love Tom Price on Meet the Press Sunday. When lying through his teeth, he said, nobody will lose their health care. Nobody will lose their health care. And I saw a commercial yesterday from a woman lamenting the fact she was pregnant again. She said, my last pregnancy, Obamacare came in, and I couldn't go to my doctor. But I, what was the follow-up question? Well, did you still have insurance? Okay, so you still had insurance, but you had to change doctors. Okay, that sucks. Whose problem is that? Is that your insurance company's problem or the doctor's problem? I mean, probably your insurance company's problem who, or the doctor who won't take insurance from that insurance company because they jerk them around. Uh, I mean, that, that's, that's not Obama's care problem. That was your problem. It was a problem that came with your doctor, From but you still had health care. Uh, I just think, David, having health care uh, is far more important than uh, than not having health care. And if you uh, take people off the rolls that don't need health care, and you and I are the ones paying our insurance on health care we need at our age, uh, that we end up paying a lot more for our health care because we don't have anybody subsidizing us. We subsidized our parents through our health care system for years. We know that. I mean, that's just obviously, true. And we're doing it, we did it for years through Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security. We subsidize those that came before us. If we let those people off the hook, who's subsidizing us? Now, on the other hand, David, we're the ones that screwed our kids with a $20 trillion deficit. So maybe they have a right to screw us at this point. But I, mean, I just thought I'd mention Obamacare and Trump Trumpcare uh, going forward. Now, David, the last thing I want to talk about on immigration today is this. Trump has talked about on immigration, getting rid of our current immigration system and implementing a merit-based immigration system <coughs> going forward. Um, and he, it's unclear why he want, he wants to do this. his advisors want to do it because they want to cut legal immigration to America by 70 to 90 percent. Now if we, did, if we had done this in 1990, the last time we looked at legal immigration, if we had cut legal immigration by 90%, we would have probably about 35 to 40 million less people in the United States. Okay, think about that. We'd only have 280 to 290 million people in America instead of 320, 330 million that we currently have, somewhere around those numbers. Um, there'd be less fewer jobs because a lot of these immigrants came in and created jobs in America, created large companies. Silicon Valley was created on the back of immigrants. So Silicon Valley would probably be somewhere else in the world instead of the United States. Um, we'd have a higher uh, level of poverty in the country because we'd have fewer jobs. Uh, automation would be less in America because we would be dragging behind the rest of the world. And yet, for some reason, Trump says that's bad and uh, that immigrants have somehow cut down the wages. And this is, this is where I, where I would think real conservatives would break from the know-nothing element of the party, the anti-legal immigration people, who believe, I I believe as a conservative, David, that there is an ever-increasing pie, that the apple pie that my mom makes gets bigger every day as more people come into her house to eat her apple pie. There isn't only eight slices in that pie. The pie has an infinite number of slices – if we keep increasing the people that are donating to the creation of the pie. So this guy brings apples, that guy brings dough, that guy brings cinnamon, that guy brings sugar, and the pie keeps getting bigger. But the anti-legal immigration people, the the radical folks that believe that immigrants are bad for America, like your favorite Congressman Steve King from Iowa, uh, who believe we should should only be letting white people into America. they are – they believe – they're not conservatives because they don't believe in the ever-expanding pie. Uh, they are know-nothings who believe that the pie stays the same shape and same size regardless of how many people come in. So the wage system doesn't get affected negatively by immigrants because while, generally speaking, if you have a higher demand and lower supply, wages will go up, you will have a lower demand with fewer immigrants in the country, so therefore wages will not increase. Uh, the Cato, folks at Cato have great stuff on this. We need to bring back Alex Naraste, don't we, from the Cato Institute to talk about this. I'm going to try to get him on the phone uh, for next Tuesday. Does that sound good? All right, all you listeners, I going to see if I can get Alex on the phone uh, or David Beer, one of the two from the Cato Institute, to talk about uh, the immigration aspects of economics and in comparison to the way Trump wants to look at merit-based immigration. Till next week, it's awesome to talk to all of you. Uh, we will uh, be available to answer your questions. If you have any comments or concerns, send them to David. If you've got any positive things to say, send them to me at, uh, at net. You have David at America's Web Radio. If not, share this uh, podcast on your on your Facebook page so we get more listeners. We'd love to have people listen. Until next week, this is your host, Chuck Cook, on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio.